Greetings and welcome to the latest episode of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I am your host, David Zwerka. Thank you once again for tuning in for some more uh, Florida Panthers content. Uh, we are now uh, well immersed into our quarantine life and getting adjusted to it, figuring out how to do all this fun stuff from home and connecting with people who are also on lockdown. And uh, our latest edition, our latest guest is, this is an interview I've been really excited to do all season long. Uh, it's, when a, it's with a longtime friend of mine who I've seen at Panthers practice all season, and we've been talking about what he's been up to and how fun it would be to do a podcast. So Brendan Tobin, uh, host on 790 The Ticket from 6 to 10 a.m., somebody who I've known for, God, over a decade now, it seems, uh, at least. Uh, Brendan, thanks so much for joining the podcast, my friend. No, thank you for having me, man. It's an honor. Best Panthers podcast out there, so I'm happy to be uh, joining you, man. And for everybody knows, like David's out there at damn every practice, so you're getting a good voice from a really informed individual. And I swear I did not put him up to saying that, so thank you so much, Tobes, for the uh, kind words. But um, before we jump into uh, the meat of why you're here, uh, first, uh, just give me a little background, because I know... Um, obviously anybody who follows you down here in South Florida knows that you're a big Marlins fan. You have a Marlins alter ego, in fact, who I love, uh, the macho man, the Marlins man. It's, it's awesome. Every time I see you doing that, it just gives me a uh, hunker, hankering for some Slim Jims. It just back to our youth. So you've got your Marlins background. You're a huge Miami Heat fan, follower, journalist. Uh, you played a big part. I know, uh, the Heat have recognized you. I know you've done some, uh, some work in the South Florida roadways, uh, Dwayne Wade Boulevard, good stuff like that that you've been kind of around and involved with. So it's really cool. But now you're you're getting into hockey. So talk to me a little bit about that. Well, you know, it was a big year for me in that, um, you know, I, I got the morning show gig, uh, which opened up uh, a lot of time for me. Uh, beforehand, I was basically doing radio from, you know, 4 a.m. until 4 p.m. every single day because I would do – uh, I was the executive producer on the Zaslo, Romberg, and Amber morning show. And then I would get a little bit of a break, but, you know, that break would basically go work out, get lunch, come back to the studio and host 1 to 4 p.m. So when I got the gig to move up to 6 to 10 a.m., it just opened up a lot more space. And I made a decision that I wanted to get out in the sporting community a lot more, and I wanted to find some interesting ways to cover every single sport. Um, and so, you know, I – it was, it was a big off season for the Florida Panthers. As everybody knows, it came with huge expectations. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, to find a way to cover it because I thought that, you know, I, I think I have a good grasp on, on the radio thing and, and knowing that uh, you have to give everybody their meat and potatoes. And by meat and potatoes, I usually mean the dolphins and the heat. That's what they come for for the most part. But, you know, I love every sport we got down here. I raise kids who love all the sports down here. My daughter – Last year just started becoming a really, really big Panthers fan. She loved Roberto Luongo. That was her favorite. That's a smart um, kid. So we'd go, yeah, we'd go and, we'd, we, you know, I'd raise her and get crazy with it after a bunch of games. And, um, yeah, make a point of it to find some way to cover the team this year that was uh, a little bit different. So uh, I started – I happened to hear uh, Sergei Bobrovsky's opening press conference when he got introduced, and I was like, Honestly, my first reaction was, I love that guy's voice. I mean, <laughs> and, if, and, and for people who know me, they know that I have a thing with Eastern Europeans, Russians. I love 
Khabib Nurmagomedov, UFC champion. I love Goran Dragic on the heat. I just love the way they speak. And this guy had maybe the best of them all. And I, would just, I, I just thought to myself, man, I would just love to get to talk to that guy. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what led me down this path of, of getting to talk to him a bunch this season and, uh, and, and having to, to pitch the idea of, of doing something on the reg with him. Because I didn't, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know what his personality was or I didn't know what, uh, how, he would, how he, he would deal with that. But um, I knew that that was something I wanted to do going into the season. It was just a matter of getting everybody convinced to want to do it with me. Now, how much did you know about Bob heading into this year? Because he has, did come in with a bit of a reputation both on and off the ice. Obviously, on-ice accolades are pretty impressive. Off the ice is uh, – well, I don't want to give in too much. I mean, what was your take on, on before before he got started? I didn't know anything about him other than I loved his voice. I knew that he came <laughs> as a huge free agent. I knew that he got paid the biggest contract in franchise history, so – I imagine he was damn good. I obviously, you know, saw what he did with Columbus last year. Um, and so that's kind of the nitty gritty of it. There's, and, and to be honest with you, when I went into this, it was kind of hard finding stuff on him. Like it's, you know, I know that he got into some, per- I know that it seemed like it was already determined that he was leaving Columbus last year. Um, it didn't seem like there was a great explanation as to why, other than uh, uh, Tortorella benched him at one point last year. Something happened in the background that he uh, has never really, uh, you know, disclosed and that he was ready to move on. And it was, you know, from what I understand, one of the worst kept secrets in hockey is that the Panthers were going to offer him a ton of dough. They did. And so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I kind of went into this with of knowing uh, of knowing anything about him. Um, you know, obviously I knew that he was from Russia. I knew that he had played for the Russian team. Um but I, I knew that going into this year, he was supposed to be kind of the missing link because we looked at what happened last year with you know, Luongo getting up there, Reimer being terrible, um, and, and, and needing that last piece to really solidify this team, which we've, I mean, it seems like we go in every year on repeat saying it's going to be the year, this is going to be the year. And so we were hoping that you know, Bob was going to be kind of the missing key to it all. Yeah, I guess law of averages when you go into so many years expecting it to be the year and so many of them not going their way, just eventually, like, it's got to even out, right? So it's not that blind optimism. (laughs) Yeah. But all right, so uh, here's the background of how this whole concept or this idea started. It was Tobin and I uh, connected at a Panthers practice very early in the season. Awesome to see him there. Great. Hey, Tobin, what's up, buddy? What are you doing here? He gave me the lowdown on his uh, on his season assignment. He's going to be interviewing Bob uh, for the plan, you know, hopefully weekly. You never know with the schedule, the way it works out with the Panthers and everything. But a consistent meeting with Bob, which for me, I was excited to hear what he was going to come up with and what you were going to be able to get out of him. Because I know you're a great interviewer of the athletes, uh, both to get them to open up and to, to get some laughs out of it. And Bobrovsky just... Uh, generally, the uh, the European guys that they're not always the best to to get quotes out of, uh, as much as their accents might be hilarious, they're very uh, seclusive at times. So right. the first day that you sat down with him, the first story you told me, I just just right there, I was like, okay, this is gonna be good. So day one, you sit down with Bob. You're, you, I don't even think you had a microphone that day, right? You're just kind of well, going no. over the plan. Yeah, I'll give you the background of it. So what had happened was the way this works is. Uh, our 
we had a good relationship with the Panthers from a program director standpoint because uh, while we're not the flagship 7-9 of the ticket, uh, we're owned, the, the flagship 560 of the Joe is owned by Entercom. So they're, the flagship is still in partnership with my radio company, the, the, the company that signs my paychecks. So I, I did have a good line to go and, and, and get in touch with the Panthers and say, this is what I want to do. Now, they were on board pretty much immediately. Like, they're like, what? So let me get this straight. You want to, you know, to give, and your audience knows this is probably why a lot of them come listening to you. They know that from local radio, you're probably not going to get a ton of Florida Panthers coverage, maybe a couple segments a week from your favorite show. Um, so I knew the Panthers. I felt like they, I mean, they have one of the most over-aggressive, in a good way, uh, PR staff there is. They're sending you daily clips. They'll send you the video sound bites. They'll send you the audio sound bites after every single game. Like, there's, if you want it, there's no excuse for you not to have uh, the Florida Panthers content. Like they, so they were on board with it. Uh, they seemed cool. That I guess it was just a matter of okay, do how do we convince uh, Sergey Bobrovsky to do it? Well, from what I understand, it wasn't that hard to convince them. This is what I was told. I was told that he's on board to do it. Now, the way I thought what that meant was, cool, he's, re- he's going to call early on. And I had talked to one of the Panthers PR people, and they had said even, uh, what time do you want to do it? And I was like, well, I imagine for most athletes, my show's from 6 to 10 a.m., so I imagine for most athletes it's going to be uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. And they're like, oh, well, that's a little bit uh, tough because, you know, we got meetings before practice. So I said, okay, 8 o'clock hour. Because, you know, sometimes, like, for example, Dolphins players, when they come on, they come on super early because they're there before meetings and all that stuff, usually on the way to the facility. So I had just assumed for Panthers maybe that was the same way. So I was like, all right, well, I mean, we could do it like 740. And I get, I get told back to me, perfect. I said, okay. But when I hear perfect, I think that means that they talk to the player. <laughs> yeah. So Kind of a final that, comment, right? Like, okay, we're good to go. Right. I thought that all the, I thought everything was, you know, put together. And, oh, my God. So I go to that first practice with you, and uh, I'm there, known as a, like, this is kind of just a meet and greet. Like, I'm supposed to meet Sergey. I'm supposed to meet Bob. And it was actually funny because it was me and it was Dave High, because Dave High got a chance, a uh, longtime Sun Sentinel columnist. He was supposed to meet Bobrovsky to do an interview with him right then and there to do like a paper feature. And, uh, and so I'm sitting there next to Dave Hyde, who I'm a- acquainted with, but I'm not friends with, I'm not close with. And, you know, he, uh, I'm, you know, we're definitely in different age tiers. So he's, uh, you know, but he is as one of the most respected media voices we got in town. So anyway, I walk into the locker room. You've been in there before. It's not huge, but I walked right over to Sergey and, uh, the Panthers PR person introduced me. She goes, Sergey, uh, this is this is Brendan. This is the one you're going to do the interviews with. And uh, he goes, okay, okay. Uh, what 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 time you want to do this? <laughs> I said, uh, well, man, I thought uh, I thought that uh, we we discussed. I thought we were going to do uh, se- seven. I guess, you know. Oh no, I don't know the way it went. It was. A, uh, he goes, yes, yes. We do uh, like afternoon, like uh, one p.m. Well, our show is on from you know six a.m. to ten a.m. I thought we're going to do something like in in the midst of the show. Like uh, he he goes, 
seven, you know, seven thirty. You know, we do something like that. He goes, mornings. It's it doesn't. Uh, you know, mornings not really really right. So what do we do like late mornings? We do like a late morning, like nine o'clock. He goes, starts, and he looks over to uh, to the PR person. He goes. I'm comfortable. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. So my first meeting with this gentleman uh, is just not going great because I'm under the impression that he's already agreed to do the interview, but he has not agreed to do the interview. He wants to do the interviews, it seems like, but he wants to do it on his time. So I, uh, I look to the person I tell her, I said, that doesn't seem like we were uh, confirmed. She goes, I don't know what happened. He was so excited to do these things. She goes, like, could you tape something? And, you know, I thought to myself, like, I don't know why I couldn't tape something. Like, I could get a recorder and go tape it. And, like, who cares? Like, if you think about most audio platforms today, they're all podcasts and on YouTube. Like, it's very antiquated to have, like, the old old school radio call in. Um, and not only that, like, you know, to take the people behind the curtain, there's plenty of times we've interviewed uh, your favorite heat, your favorite balls or Panthers. And we've interviewed them at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning and then aired it the next day. You guys just don't realize it. Um, so I thought, well, what's the difference if I just go and do it in person? So I told her, I was like, listen, I, I, I thought it over and I was like, yeah, I can, we can definitely, definitely do it uh I'll, I'll she's like cool you know our practices end at like what do they usually end at like 12 yeah like 12 12 12 you know, so I said, yeah i'll come i'll come watch some practice i i get my feet wet knowing the panthers uh and, and we'll make it happen so she's like great great so i was uh i was a little bit shook after that first day though man because i thought like all right, he's down to do this. He's he's a little bit fun. I thought like, all right, he's he's going to be into this. Let's uh, let's let's uh, let's let's get it going. But it got off to a rough start because I didn't <laughs> I didn't I I thought that he was down to do the morning thing, and he was definitely not down. He's like more mornings, you know, the mornings he's sort of mine gets mine ready because. But Brock, he's a he's a he's a systematic person. He is, For sure, he's very not, routine oriented. Not, very routine oriented, and that that does not mess uh, that does not break for anybody, especially uh, especially interviews. So, you know, talked uh, a little bit. Uh, apparently, he was down for doing things post practice. I was down for doing things post practice, and so, you know, we were off and running. To we had our plan to do the regular thing uh, as long as you know the things were going well. So that's that's kind of the whole breakdown of it. <laughs> that sounded like when you first told me that it was like something out of a sitcom where like he just looked side to side and he's just like uncomfortable <laughs> oh my god i i say it all the time now too whenever i'm in an awkward situation i will just dub the russian uncomfortable <laughs> and the worst was they, like i go and i'm like meekly like leaving because i thought i'm about to set up this great friendship with Bobrovsky, and here's like 30 year journalist veteran dave high getting set to uh interview Bobrovsky and I'm like all right I gotta go that all happened right in front of him huh that, that, that's great awesome so uh yeah man it was it was uh it was a little it was a little embarrassing but it, uh it, we ended up I think it's good that it ended up this way um because you know we got a face-to-face we got to do it in person with each other and I think that made the rapport much better for the season 
So when you finally did uh, sit down and start recording the interviews, I know like you've brought like one time you actually had, what was it? You had the picture of you wearing the toga and you had yeah. found one of him also wearing a toga, totally unrelated toga instances. And I know you brought that well, to the table. No, they, were, they were completely related toga instances. We had a, uh, oh. we have, we have this bit on our show. It's called the dartboard of doom, where if you lose a punishment, you have to do something whack. And I had landed on the Bobrovsky. This is before we even set up the interview. And so the way it worked is he had some Russian, he was in some Russian bathhouse in a toga. And he had this thing that looked like a hat on his head and he's sipping tea or coffee. I don't know what it was, but it was a hilarious picture nonetheless. So I ended up uh, losing that week. I got on the Bobrovsky. So I, I got a toga and I ended up finding my wife was like, what the hell are you buying? I said, oh, that's a that's a Ukrainian sweat hat. I had the I I bought that on, on, on Amazon. A Ukrainian sweat hat. Yeah, and so I ended up taking <laughs> the picture. I did the side by I did the side by side with Bobrovsky, and even before we did the interviews, he had like you know put some laughing crying emojis on on Instagram. He loved it, so he loved the picture. He didn't know who I was, but he thought that was funny. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and so that was actually how I broke the ice for our first interview. I was like, all right, before we do anything. I'm like, give me a grade on this. Give me a grade on, on this. And, and he's like, he, you know, I thought that was a good way to start because, you know, he was just, uh, you know, I wanted him to laugh. I wanted these things. I wanted us to have some fun, um, you know, and he, he, was, he was digging it. And I actually learned this, this was the best part. So he goes, uh, so I was like, hey, man, where'd you, so like uh, with this uh, toga thing, where'd you get that hat? And he goes, it's not actually here. It's 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 for Russian tea cover. When tea goes over, you have, and when it's ready, you take it off. I just made silly picture. <laughs> you did the sound effects and everything. That's awesome. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it, yeah, so we were. Yeah, that was great, man. And so yeah, like once we got from that point uh, in our first interview, that was my first question off the bat to him. Then we did the, uh, you know, the whole like, you know, what did you want to be here, all that stuff. Um, and, you know, we got into him being so systematic. He was just a fascinating dude from the start because you got to learn that um, he is so intricate in making himself work. Um, and if it's not done to a T, uh, obviously he feels like he's a little off. Um, and so that was – it was just – he was a fascinating – it was a fascinating uh, talk with him. It was one of the most fascinating interactions I've had with, uh, with any professional athlete. Now, throughout the times that you've chatted with him, what would you say was when he let his guard down the most with you or just like, made you laugh even? Like, what, Have there been any moments where you've just been kind of like surprised by what he threw back at you? Well, yeah. I mean, this was, uh, this was an interesting year because I loved the guy personally, and this was one of those things where it was an interesting experience I had because, you know, I go about my radio show. I don't go about this as a journalist or I don't go about these things as, you know, the great reason or like I – people know my radio show. They know I go things pretty much blindly as a fan and the crazed fan. And um, that's how I want to be. But with Sergey, I almost found myself because as, as everybody who listens to this podcast knows, this has been a, a rough year for him for, uh, from a result standpoint. It's been a tough year for him performance wise, especially with all the money he got paid, especially with all the expectations. And so um I didn't know, you know, this is this is one of those things where I know if the Panthers fan is listening, I don't want to be the guy who's not 
who's not respecting the hockey fan, but I also don't want to act like I know what I'm talking about either. I don't want to act like I know why he's struggling or if this is a, a thing of him getting used to the defensive system, the defenders, if the defenders just suck, or if he just has to be better. Um, and so I thought that from my, from my standpoint uh, going into this year, like uh, I wanted to still have fun because obviously uh, he is an interesting guy that uh, I want the softball audience to know. I want them to know the person that is Sergei Bobrovsky while also, uh, you know, going through everything that happened. So, yeah, like when I was, I mean, early on in the season, it was, it was easy. I mean, it was mostly lighthearted stuff because, you know, we got to, uh, we got, you know, it was early in the season. The Panthers were actually playing their best hockey of the year because they were scoring at a blistering pace. It was crazy. So, you know, Sergey could go out there and, you know, if, if, if he was giving up three, four goals, it really wasn't a big deal. It felt like they were scoring five, six nights. It was crazy. Um, and so my favorite, one of my favorite things to learn about was uh, his off-season workouts because, you know, I've done a lot of research on what, uh, you know, I, I just tried to try to find any window I could into him because there's not a lot of stuff written about him. So you kind of have to go and, and dive into, like, his Instagram back, like, two, three years, his Twitter, two, three years to find out about him. And so – I found him, uh, my fi- one of my favorite things that he got to, uh, he told me about was uh, his training mechanism. And so he had had a lot of groin injuries in, uh, in, the, in some of the stages of his career. And so one of the ways that he had gotten uh, that rehab is he started working out on trampoline. He started doing like gymnastics workouts. But, uh, you know, he just, he just says things so delightfully in that voice. And so <laughs> I was asking him about you know, working out on the trampolines. He goes, as soon as you get on trampoline, these smiles come to your face right away. I was like, well, of course they do. Of course they do, Bob. That is that's so delightful from you, is that uh, that the trampolines bring him the smiles, and that bring me the When he has the smiles, I have the smiles. So I was just, I was so delighted to hear a guy um, just be so happy with something so, like, so, it was so important to his health, but it was it was such, just a, such a juvenile thing to, to make you happy. Like who doesn't love bouncing up and down? I still love going to the, to the, uh, the adrenaline park where I can jump on a trampoline with my kids. Everybody could relate to that. So, uh, that made me happy as far as letting his guard down, uh, or getting some real insights to him. It's hard um, to know Bob off the ice. Like, as you just said, going through your research, like there's not, it's not much to know him off the ice. You know him on the ice. So that's why I was curious. Like, you know, I, I see on his Instagram that he's got his wife and they travel a yeah. lot and, I think we laughed about their ski trip back in December because uh, it rem- yeah. kind of reminded me of the old South Park episode. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's really not a whole lot that, that there is to out there, so I'm curious. Yeah, and he doesn't, you know, it's that's it, one of those things where uh, I try and, you know, I, I try to bring up his, his wife down here. But, you know, things where you can feel for the normalcy of those things, but I don't know how many people want to relate to that because it's a millionaire athlete. but you know, this is a guy who's lived in Columbus, Ohio for the longest time. He's a guy from Russia. Him and his wife don't have it. their best friend. It was uh, uh, with Panarin and, and his wife. They're still best friends. They're actually quarantined right now in South Florida together. Um, not quarantined, like, mandatorily. They're just living together. Like, they just they, they, they want to be amongst each other. So there's no NHL season. So that's how close they are. And a lot of people thought that they were going to be a package deal wherever they went. And yeah. they weren't. So, um, you know, you, you know, relate to it a little bit. His wife doesn't have, uh, uh, Panarin's, 
uh, Mrs. Panarin with him. That's that's her that's her best friend, and so she's getting to know a whole bunch of new people in South Florida, which is not Columbus, Ohio. You know, they're getting this you know house together. Her 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 husband has to go and play sports every day, so she's kind of on her own. I'm sure that's kind of stressful in a way to to Sergey. Um, and you can kind of feel like you can kind of feel that stuff as he was he was getting to go, and that stuff especially kind of came out when they actually made their return to Columbus uh, because, you know, he made it clear how emotional that was for him. Yeah. I, mean, I remember him talking about the, I got to talk to him right after the second trip to Columbus. And he said to me, he said, uh, he was like, I liked who I was at, at that first trip to Columbus. So like, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know who that was. I didn't, it was probably the worst game I ever played in my life. And I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be that again. Um, so that's why he, he flipped the switch on something. But I, I do think for a guy who is so systematic and he really puts up a coat of armor, you talk to him a lot more after the games, you're in those settings. And I think, you know, with Bob, Bob is like, this will be a, uh, this will be a, a Bob post game answer. Hey Bob, what, what, what out there? He goes, you know, we, we go out there and defensively today, you know, two points, very important. And you've got to reset, refocus and move on to the next yeah, that pretty much. Literally be that will literally be his answer for the next three questions. You know, the crowd was great. You know, we reset, we refocused, and uh, try and get the next two points. That's based. You know, he's kind of a cliche machine. Yeah, uh, as you say, like some of these guys from other countries, they they know that they kind of know their bullet points. They know how to get through the post game interview uh, rather than really saying what they want to say in a post game interview. Um, and you know, maybe some of that has to do with. He was frustrated with how the defense was being played, uh, you know, how the Panthers play defense under Quinville. Um, I don't know that there's friction there. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I know that, but I do. Uh, interesting, like anytime uh, Drieger, who has had a good year, I'm not going to take credit away from him, but I felt like I, there's something to the way Drieger plays, uh, not just from a result standpoint, but from a size standpoint. Uh, Bob's very unorthodox goalie from his size and the, the quickness that he has. Um, that you know, Quinville seems to just really like the way Drieger plays, and I don't know uh, if if that if if the 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 same kind of connection has been there with Abrowski. Now I will give it. Obviously, this has been a fear for Bob, so you know the results are what they are. But um, I just think that that's. I think it's just been a very tough year for everybody involved because he's had to get used to a new place after being in Columbus for a long time. Uh, it's normal for anybody to get that kind of money and have huge expectations on themselves. And I don't think a guy who likes to be as mechanical as he is wants to have all these mental things creeping in, but I think it's only natural for it to, to occur. Yeah. He's actually really lucky that it's all happening to him after signing with Florida, because if he would have ended up signing in any major hockey market, if he would have signed with the Rangers or if he would have signed with the Canadian team or anywhere, I mean, it'd probably be a nightmare for him. For a guy who's so in his own head, as you know, we're kind of getting into right now, um, it's easy to see where the, the ebbs and flows can come from. Because when, when he gets locked in, which we've seen flashes of here and there in South Florida, but we haven't really seen to the effect that you mentioned earlier, the way he played in the second half and in the playoffs for Columbus last year. When he gets locked in, uh, he's... You know, there's no arguing that he's one of the absolute best at his position in the world. But it, right. it's it's a little troubling from this perspective just to know that for a guy who's so in his own head that, it, at least to this point, uh, it's not the consistency that 
that you would want to see from somebody who's just so locked in constantly? Maybe some guys that are a little more standoffish to the media because they're so set in their ways. But with Bob, um, you know, you talk about the press conferences he gives. You're never going to hear him bashing on anybody. He's he's always never. very positive. The only person that he ever criticizes really is himself. Yeah, because he he doesn't he's he's a he's a no he's a no excuses type of guy. Like um, that that stuff just doesn't mean anything to him. Like what is he you know he'll 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 sit there and you could say well you, you guys really let you down there. It's like well what does it matter? Like, it's over. Like, what does it what does this do for him to go and bash his teammates? I think that's the type of guy that he is. Um, but I'm not going to, you know, like it's also been a year that he's had, he's had a couple stints of injury. We didn't really get to see him come back because the season ended while Drieger was on such a hot streak. But I do think the Panthers were definitely heading in a direction where, you know, if the year would have continued, it, it, it probably was going to be hard to deny Chris getting to continue to play just be at least, at least at the, on the hot streak that he was on. And, you know that's that's a tough spot. Like they, they you know, they got six years, uh, sixty million left uh, on that deal for him. So, you know, they got to make it work. It's it's kind of one of those things where you don't really have a choice. You have you have to make Sergey work. Um, but it's almost like it's it, it, because of these injury stints, it's made the decision a little bit easier to have uh, Drieger out there because there hasn't been a decision. It's basically been okay. Once Drieger was back from his injury, it's been interesting how they were both like, it was both Bob got hurt, Drieger came in, then Drieger got hurt, and then Bob had to kind of come in. And, you know, Montembeau's, you know, been young up and down and whatnot. But but with uh, with with Quinville, I mean, that's his, he loved Drieger, man. I feel like he was probably head towards a place where he was going to end up taking over the year if we did have hockey continuing. Well, the, the point of the season that they had reached after that just horrible, horrible stretch run that they had through uh, – through February where the, the entire month was just kind of a shit show and they really struggled yeah. until the end. And then when they finally started to, to climb out of it, it was on Dreeder's shoulders on, on his goalie pads and he was playing really well and the team maybe not scoring as much as they had been earlier in the year, but they were getting the wins. And at that point of the year where it's basically, you heard Q say it, you heard Talon say it, every game at this point is a playoff game with when they got around 20 and under 20 left to go. So yeah, you roll with the hot hand salaries, none of that shit matters at that point. You just go with who's going to get you the wins. Uh, obviously, from Q's perspective, I'm safely assuming that he wanted Bob to be the guy. Everybody wanted Bob to be the guy. But when you get to a certain point of the year, you just, you go with the, you dance with the girl that brought you, if that's the, the right, I don't think that's the right way to say it. But you, you know the phrase I'm looking for. Like, Dreeder's the guy, so you're going to roll with him until, as soon as Dreeder faltered, I'm sure Bob would have been back in there. But if Dreeder, for whatever reason, would have gone on a stretch run the way that uh, Bennington did with the Blues last season, and he carried them all the way to a cup, they would have rode Dreeder that long if he would have taken them there, which, you know, as you said, from Bob's perspective, it's tough. But, I mean, I'm sure he gets it, but nobody wants to be out there more than he does. So it's well, you know, Yeah, I, I did read from Dreeger at one point when he first – when he got his first win, he said that Bob was very supportive of him. And he said that uh, – I think he said something like, that guy's the best in the world to, to Sergei Bobrovsky. And even yeah. afterwards, like, Brett Conley was saying, like, you know – you know, we know how, how great Bob is and what Driga's bringing. So, like, I think all of his teammates still really respect him a lot. I don't think – I think and maybe that comes from a guy who's just never thrown anybody under the bus uh, all, all, all year long. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's it, it, it been interesting. I don't know what it is now. Like, if the season does reoccur, where do they go from there? Because I'm sure Sergey's going to be healthy. Do they – do they, you know, would they go with uh, with Driga to, to start things back up? Because, look, I mean <laughs> – 
it's going to be tough. And, and, and do they even get to get the chance? Because who knows? Maybe they go and they straight the playoffs and they're just on the outside looking in. It's a tough thing, man. That's a tough so thing. many ifs. And like, like, like you said, I can't wait until we hopefully will have that debate. Like, oh, the season's starting up in a couple of weeks. What are the Panthers going to do? They go to Dreeter. Did they go to Bob? Do they reshape the lines? Like, I would love to start having those conversations right now, but it just seems like we are so far away, unfortunately, with the, you know, the unfortunate health crisis that we're all dealing with right now that it's just, it sucks to think about because it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, and how did they even, like, you know, it's funny because it's like, you know, with the basketball players, like, even at the worst, I mean, like, you know, Jimmy Butler could have a hoop delivered to his house if he needed to. Like I saw, I saw Barky uh, on Instagram rollerblading <laughs> in his house. Yeah, I'm like, huh? Like this, these guys got, you know. I guess if they lived in a northern place, maybe they could go find some old pond, Buddy Duck style. But like, what do they do? Like they're gonna be so cold coming into this, uh, coming into to uh, to to play hockey again. I saw the the Instagram video uh, on on uh, Mrs. Bob's Instagram where she put uh, that he was like in the backyard. Taking taking shots from a from a tennis ball gun. Yeah, <laughs> you know that that you know I, I, he's just and that's just him being psychotic because he needs to find something to do. But like, how do these guys even just come in fresh off of just doing nothing? Because I feel like with basketball, they could I you know somebody could put a hoop in their yard, they'll do some. But these guys, you know, not only that, they're in South Florida and they play a a, a sport on ice. That is that is unbelievably challenging, man. Yeah, I mean, you could go down the list of reasons why it's just for hockey players, it's just a little different with when it comes to the training. And I, the question of like getting back to start, I saw something last week that a lot of the arenas that host hockey games are, are starting to take a, take the ice out and, you know, with a plan to build it back up if they need to. Um, but I mean, training wise, like they, there's so much physical a physical training that goes into it with hockey players. Like you have to be able to get the crap kicked out of you by your teammates. And you can't really simulate those kind of actions and the kind of hockey practices you need to do without being in a hockey setting. I mean, what are you going to do with if Bob's going to set up the tennis machine and just shoot balls at him from a hundred miles per hour, or Barkov's going to just skate laps around his house until he completes a marathon. There's only so much that these guys can do right now. Yeah. Like how much does it come in, in like in Bobrovsky's mind? Can he, cause he's got a lot of dough. Can he build an ice rink in his garage? I think building it wouldn't be the hard part. Maintaining the ice right now might be difficult. I think we're going to hit like the 90s this week when you know, we're in April now. Like, you know, this is no joke. It gets hot down here. Oh, my God. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, like I don't I don't even know. Like and uh, you were telling me earlier, like you were listening to the, the president's talk because he spoke with all the commissioners. Because uh, like, I think I, what did I read on Twitter that they're talking August. So like, what do you even do at that point? Are you going to do an abbreviated playoffs? Because I got to say, it doesn't sound like we're getting hockey back. No. At least in the full set of, like, we're not picking it up straight where it left off and the Panthers seeming like they're going to have a shot to even make it. There's been so many, like, options thrown around. Like, and again, the the timetable, the giant question mark hanging over that just makes everything kind of a big shrug emoji. But, like, I saw one thing where they were thinking about doing, like, an extended playoff where, like, instead of 16 teams, you would do, like, 20 or 24 and have, like, a one- or three-game first round so give, give teams a chance to get in. But then, to your point, if we're not getting started until July or even August, like, one of the first things that um, I think it was the NHL commissioner that came out and said from maybe, like, a month ago at this point that whatever end, ends up happening, they don't want to jeopardize the start of next season. So I don't see how you would be – 
you know, playing towards a start starting next season on time if you're not getting to the playoffs until August. Because August, you're just a few weeks away from training camp and, and normal right. time frame. So, like, it, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, unless the playoffs could act as training camp for some teams, but, like, then there's no time off. Like, oh, you won the Stanley Cup. Now go play opening night next week. You know, it's just there's so much that just doesn't it just doesn't add up. And I hate to think about it too much from a logical perspective because it's just depressing. But, um, yeah, it's weird, man. It's just unprecedented across the board and not just hockey either. Like we're talking about like basketball. We're talking about potentially football. Like I think we're going to have an NFL draft in a few weeks where it's all going to be done like digitally, which will be interesting. Like the whole thing done on right. Zoom, Skype or whatever. And I mean, even the idea early on of playing games in empty arenas, like that even is still seems too far fetched because they don't just the staff that you need on hand from a team standpoint, whether, you know, they're beyond the players, it's coaches, it's trainers, you need people in the building to maintain the ice itself. So getting all those people together with no fans, even in the equation, with no media, even in the equation, it, it just at this point, it. it just to fathom getting it all going again, like I'm, I'm worried about next season starting when it comes to next football season, next hockey season, next basketball season. Like I feel like this season, maybe I'm just setting myself up so I'm not disappointed, but I, I've kind of let that, let that uh, ship sail in my mind. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Like when I started reading uh, the, like the lead NFL doctors say, like we can't have anybody until there's mass testing or even a vaccine, you're just like, man, they don't start till September. I mean, how can we even think that there's going to be uh, that there's going to be uh, the, these uh, these sports in the NHL and NBA coming back? It just doesn't yeah. seem it just doesn't seem viable. It sucks, it, and I mean, you know, the Heat—they're a playoff team this year. The Panthers—they were looking like they were at least going to be in the run. You know, they were getting hot at the right time, and everybody else in the playoff run was kind of slowing down for the most part. So that looked like that was going to be at least a fun run to watch. We had just just after waiting so long had just gotten our soccer team going we were literally like i think it was the day before the home opener when everything really got shut down like they were trying to keep that home opener so bad like it was just like let's just do it once and they couldn't they couldn't i I mean like just like letting out the anguish right now because it really you know in the big scope of what's going on in the world and in our country like complaining about sports is just it's not important in the big scheme of things but holy crap man like it's it's for guys like us that it's not just like what we enjoy but it's our livelihood it's our careers are based in the sports realm it's just such a strange time and oh man we are getting into a really fun little place right now and I don't even want to get started on the excitement I was feeling for both the Marlins and the Dolphins Blind optimism, it's like the tattoo that we all wear on our foreheads down here. But, like, really, the Marlins made some good moves. The Dolphins, they really look like they're getting their shit together. And just, I mean, maybe we'll hit the ground running when this all ends, and it'll be a great time for South Florida sports. But right now, it's just, ah, it stinks. So, in your mind, uh, let's say that they don't come back, though. Hey, hold on one second. Hey, Cat, get the hell off of the, uh, get the hell off the stove. Hold on, man. He's going to try and steal these fajitas. Hold on. Be right back. So the beauty of doing podcasts at home during quarantine is uh, families, pets. It, it's He's all a real bastard. He was <laughs> trying to steal those fajitas. So for those who don't know, like I do want to give some insight to this. Like uh, it was very helpful having you because it definitely was. Trust me, the most I've been around Panthers practices this year. 
But that was the position you play. Like, you you know, you, you play goalie, so you definitely give uh, some great insight and intricacies to, like, all the stuff that was going down. Um, from your standpoint, because it's weird, I don't – because you know, you're right that it's lucky that Bob is in a market uh, where he is uh, – where, where it's not, like, the number one sport or it's not as scrutinized as the Northeast or the traditionals. But I feel bad for him in regards because people know how much I love him. So on my show, the poor bastard gets blistered left and right. Leroy, my co-host, is hammering him. The fans are hammering him. Um, and I'm sitting here, and I, I, I feel bad, but there's even games like where Drieger's in goal, and I'm almost hoping that he gives up four goals so I can at least say, see, it's not everybody, – everybody's <laughs> sticking up the joint. So from your standpoint, what do you think with, uh, with, with Bobrovsky? Like, was this getting used to – uh, new settings, and we, I mean, it feels like we've blasted the defense for the Panthers for year after year now. Um, is it is it just a question of the guys that he does have around him? Uh, I'm not trying to say that he's blameless, but what from your standpoint, Washington this year, and a guy who's covered basically every home game uh, and even some on the road, like what what has been your gauge of the whole thing? Because I, I I proudly say that I look at him and this team with a very biased eye. Well. That's that's okay, but I mean, for me, like for for watching Bob all year, the the consistency has been a big issue with him, and there's been questions of well, he was was he a little dinged up earlier in the year when he really seemed to start get going the first time around. It was right before we got to the holiday break, like he was playing several games in succession. He was really starting to. It wasn't it wasn't a matter of how he looked because he always seemed to look the same. It was just the goals that would squeak through him, the ones that he should have had were the ones that right. were going in, which was that that's kind of the big problem for me. It's like, all right, I'm not going to get on his case so much about making a ridiculous save or even, you know, a lot of the times Bob is a goaltender who's been known to give up rebounds. Success he had in Columbus was they were such a strong defensive-minded team that they would clean a lot of that mess up, whereas the Panthers, it was definitely a work in progress around the net as it's been all year, regardless of the goaltender. But yeah, with Bob, it was once he would get on a little streak and he would start making all the saves that he should be making – and you saw that right before the holiday break, and then they took off like 10 days, and then it, he came back, and it took him a little while to get back into a groove again. And then again, right before the All-Star break, they went on that six-game winning streak, and Bob was really looking well, sparkling saves, holding the team in it. And then they took another break, and then he came back, and once again, it was like struggling out the gates. So, so right. I, like, I was just, I wanted to see him have a chance to just like go. Here's a month, which is what we were getting at. Here's a bunch of games on the schedule, not much time in between, which is, I really think where he would have been happy to get into a groove where you're playing almost every day to where you can really just kind of turn the brain off and just go out there and let your, your athletic abilities take over for him. And, you know, I don't mean to sound like I'm making excuses for him, but we, anybody who's watched him, you know that the ability is there. You know that he, the Panthers didn't just pay him for no reason. Like he earned the contract that he got. Um, as one of the best goalies in the league. It's been a rough year, but I just wanted to see him get a chance to really hit the ground and go and just give him a few weeks. And I thought that's what we were getting towards. And it really felt like that all the little issues and things were really starting to line up for the Panthers. Like they were starting to get the scoring together at the same time. The defense was playing better. The goaltending was coming around. Dreeder was playing really well. So the one-two punch would have been there, which is what you need in March and April in the NHL. And, you know, I can't tell you why he struggled. I think we've touched on some of the 
the intricacies to Bob, whether it's in his head or in his styling. But yeah, it, it's just uh, it's a too small of a sample size for somebody, you know, watching him game in and game out, practice in, practice out. The the talent clearly is there. I mean, it's there's no denying that this guy he is amazingly fast, so fast with the reflexes. He reads the plays well. He knows the game. He he loves to chat with yeah. his coaches. I mean, he sets up his own thing. drills in practice. That's the thing that I find uh, why I find it so hard to criticize the guy because I'll take people a little bit backstage of this. So you know what? So Panthers practice starts. It starts usually at like eleven, I think, or eleven thirty. Eleven thirty. Yeah, depending on what they did the day before, it's usually eleven or eleven thirty. So it's like a 45-minute to an hour practice. Usually a goalie, if there's a game the next day, will get off a little bit early. Um, and so I am always taken back to this little office area, which is the media relations office, but they do the Quinville press conference in there. Um, and you know this because you see me there for the practices when I'm there for Bob, is that they always bring me back to that room. I've never gone to the – I should just go to the locker room and go talk to the guys there too because – He's never going to be ready. And by not being ready, he's working out. So like he's done with practice, and then he's going to do treatment and work out some more and be on the bike forever and do whatever the hell samurai goalie stuff he's doing. I would say on average I'm waiting an extra 90, to 90 minutes after practice is done to talk to Sergei Bobrovsky because he's got his routine that he's doing after every single practice, no matter what. Uh, I think there was only one where it ended up quick because they were going to go on a road trip, so it had to be a little bit faster. But for the most part, I think I've sat down with them six, seven times this year, and every single time I went into by by the you know, and I felt bad because Adeline, their uh, main PR person, is always just like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I don't know. Like, by this time, I know the deal. Like, I know I'm going to be yeah. at a, I'm not talking until 1 p.m., maybe 1.30, which is cool because I felt like the interviews were worth it. I felt like he was great to talk to, but that's what made it so hard for me, you know, everybody blistering the guy because, you know, normally it's a typical story we hear all the time. Guy on a contract year, gets the fat contract with a free agent, uh, becomes a fat cat, doesn't work hard, you know, he's kind of reached the goal, it's all guaranteed, what does he care? Maybe he's not pressing as hard. But my God, dude, he's yeah. working his ass off after every practice like he is the same way he was, I'm sure, the year beforehand. So, Yep. That's what makes it hard for me. Is like I I can't roast the guy because I know how hard he's working because I'm sitting there waiting for him to be done to work after every single practice. So yeah, I mean, it, you've seen him the least in the locker room out of any player. Like you never see him in the locker room because once he gets off the ice, he gets his goalie shit off probably in like two minutes flat, and he's wherever he goes in the practice in the gym, he's watching video, whatever he's doing. Unless they drag him in there to do media availability, which is I could probably count the amount of times he's done it on one hand this year, it's rare. He is always, always working. Yeah, yeah, and it's like uh, it's it's interesting, man. But but he's been so fun to deal with. I tell you, like the one thing that I like about him is uh, because I told you about the cliche stuff. Like I know that uh, I can just tell he's just a guy who doesn't like. Uh, not that he doesn't like. He just doesn't. It doesn't interest him if you ask him. The, the the hockey questions and I I'll throw them in every now and then because again like I do feel like I have a responsibility as a Panthers fan to give them the goods but um you know I'd rather talk to him about what he's interested in I'd rather talk to him about what did he get uh, what is he gonna get Mrs Bobrovsky for Valentine's Day right uh, that's like the fun that. stuff I, 
the fun stuff. I think it's, you know like this, when you talk to the guys, you like to talk about the other stuff because there's going to be plenty of time for everything else. But um, if this is it for this year, I mean, what do you think they can do with it? Like, is this one of those things like, uh, to guess, give a football analogy to it, like, you know, how the Ravens, they had to soup everything up for Lamar Jackson and they had wild success with the guy and everything was tailored towards him with the Panthers. Like, do they have to finally make big changes on defense to get guys who can help him out in his style because he does give up those rebounds and that's always going to be a thing with him? Like, how, or is it just a case of he's just got to get better? No, I think it's it's a combination of, like, definitely style with the team because there's enough talent on this Panthers roster right now for them to be as good as they need to be. I don't believe that they're, like, a big player away from – from being the team that they think that they can be. I think uh, they needed to clean things up in the defensive zone badly. I, I definitely think it's a coaching thing much more than it's a thing on the players. Now, whether or not – this is a question I couldn't answer, but whether they the, the players may, may not be grasping the style well enough, that's something that, you know, it's an ind- individual player-to-player thing, and I'm not here to judge how smart or not these guys are. They certainly seem intelligent when you speak to them. But, you know, right. learning on the fly and putting it to use when, you know, there's a game going on and everybody's going ridiculously fast. So, yeah, I, I'm sure that Talon wants to bring in one or two more veteran defensemen, perhaps because they would pick up a new system quicker that they've been more adapt to learning and could understand maybe what to prioritize that Quenville's teaching over other things in terms of how to clean things up below the circles in the defensive zone. But they've got their guy in Bob and it's just, I guess, building around him, it's not the term I'd want to use, but it kind of makes sense in that you want to make sure that players know this is your goalie. He might spit up a couple extra rebounds, so you need to keep your head in a swivel around the net. You need to be aware that there's a good chance a rebound might be coming on that tough save. Just pick up your guy, put your stick in his chest, drive your legs, push him away. I, I, you know, it, Yeah, I'm making it sound simple, but I feel like they've made it a little too hard on themselves at time and times in the defensive zone when really worst case scenario, just shoot the puck to the boards, ice the puck down the ice, just get it away from your goaltender. Don't try to be cutesy with it. And uh, I think that, again, I said it earlier, I think that's more of a coaching thing really than anything else. But um, before we wrap things up, cause I, I thank you so much for, for doing this. We've been doing this for almost an hour and uh, you know, definitely uh, to do more Bob stuff in the end. But one thing I wanted to ask you uh, if you don't mind, cause I love hearing your Bob accent is uh, can you do like, let's say Bob is coming into the Panthers and selling it. This is why you want to sign me. This is why I'm awesome. Could you give me like the Bob job application in his voice? Like just Bob. Do you want want him before he signs the contract or why people should still believe in him? Actually. Yeah. I like option B better. Give me, give me why not to give up on Bob. Give me Bob selling himself. This is why I'm, I'm going to take this team to the cup. Okay. Listen. Okay. We have tough year, but this was year where I dealt with lots of change. Okay. Had no health. Very hard. Then I have to teach coaches how to <laughs> coach because they don't coach so good. I coach better. Listen. I love Robbie Dallas. He's fantastic. He builds his drills with me, but I am mastermind behind all of this. It's all coming together. <laughs> I would like to say would be nice if Alexander Borkov score a little bit more. Okay, everybody say, oh, Barky, Barky, this, Barky, that. would be nice. I say, hey, Bobby, you don't always have to make fancy pass, okay? Why don't you go score some uh, more goals, okay? Now, listen, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. This is not how I uh, do things. 
You know, I like to have the smiles. I like to have the happy face. But uh, listen, you guys really want to trust this trigger, the trigger beaver. You know, we do a thing in Russia. We make it to beaver. So you you trust trigger beaver all you want. But I probably say flesh and pain, okay? Because let's be honest, <laughs> AHL, not NHL, not even KHL, where I was also starting, Russia. So I would say, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm not going to say any names, Quinville, but maybe, <laughs> you know, not be so Google eyes over the Rigor Beaver and uh, believe in Bobrovsky, but believe in, uh, because you can still Bob without zero, which is also shut out. <laughs> okay, I love you, Panthers fan. <laughs> that was awesome, man. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Mr. Tobrovsky, uh, thank you so much for taking the time and doing this, man. Uh, definitely a long time. I've been waiting to, to pick your your brain about Bob, so thanks a lot, man. And uh, we'll have to keep in touch throughout the quarantine life. And uh, if we don't get a hockey season back, we'll have to figure out a way, uh, some other way to quench our hockey thirst. All right, bro. Thanks for having me. It's uh, fun. Thank you for uh, sitting with me at practices this year, and hopefully we get to do it again. Amen to that, brother. Well, thank you again to Brendan Tobin, and thank you to everybody for uh, tuning in to the Chirping the Cats podcast once again. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, please let me know on Twitter, at David's Work. Uh, like the show, subscribe, give it a good rating. Uh, Brendan, where can people find you on social media when they want to read all your good stuff, my friend? You guys can follow me at Brendan underscore Tobin, B-R-E-N-D-A-N underscore T-O-B-I-N. That is Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you guys can also, if you could, subscribe. If you want to watch the Bobrovsky interviews, look up Tobin Show, T-O-B-I-N Show on YouTube. Subscribe, like. And if you guys haven't heard any of my Bobrovsky interviews, a lot of them aren't uh, super. If you just want to learn more about Sergey, um, I recommend them highly. I've very much enjoyed doing them this year. Uh, so just look up uh, Bobrovsky and Tobin on YouTube, and they should all come up. I think there's like six or seven of them. Um, and so binge those if you could. I appreciate it. Yes, binge Tobin and Bob and then Tiger King. Definitely want to see the Tobin and Bob videos first. That's the other cool thing about it. Even though it's a radio show, you brought the camera in and did the whole YouTube thing, which I think just adds a little bit more of an element to it. Because you get to see some of the reactions from Bob that maybe don't make it audibly. Yeah. Oh, no, 100%. I think it definitely added an extra twist to it. Um, and he was actually, it was funny. I remember the second time he goes, why are more cameras here? What happened? Why do we have the one? Now we have two. He's like, everybody wants to see your handsome face, man. Like, you know, I'm like, you, you should be happy because you see that damn mask, but nobody knows what you look like. <laughs> People wouldn't know. Like, you're like, you look at him. He's so skinny. He's like, he's, he looks like, he looks like the rubber band man because he's got all the gear on and the awesome mask and, <laughs> You know, I just want people to know this is your goalie. This is your goalie. Well, Tobes, thank you so much, man. Thank you to everybody for listening. And uh, we'll be back, hopefully, with Panthers content at some point uh, in the not-too-distant future. But we'll be back with another Chirping the Cats uh, podcast again soon. So everybody remember, stay home, stay safe, and take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye.